Hello and welcome to Insights, the podcast with your host, Joe Parnay. Join me in this deep exploration of our personal journeys from ambition to meaning, where we stop living life fast and start living life deep. This is a journey of waking up and realizing that our lives have never been about us, but about others. True success leaves positive ripple effects on other souls. I believe that success needs to be redefined from our own personal ambitious endeavors to be redefined as the value that we leave and give to others around us. Join me now as we begin this journey to deeper connections, even more fulfillment, some fun, curiosity, life, love, and all good things. Your deeper journey from ambition to meaning starts right now. Hey everyone, it's Joe here. I hope you're doing as well as can be. Welcome to episode 68. Uh, Just some quick housekeeping. Of course, if you want to join my Emotional Fitness Hub, a private closed Facebook group, you're more than welcome to search and come and join me there. All right, so today, today we're focusing on change. Um, As you may have seen or in the capture of of the headline for this particular episode, Change is not a disruption to flow. It is the flow. Uh, another way of looking at change is a change is not a change of direction. It is the direction in which all life moves. Now, this is fundamentally important. I hope you don't mind me getting straight into it this, this, uh, in this episode, as I already have. <laughs> is that the hallmark of my emotional fitness work is that it's based on the fundamental definition that I have uh, just created out of my experience over the last 15, 16 years of delivering this work is that emotional fitness is measured by the quality of our relationship with uncertainty. And of course, one of the core ingredients of uncertainty is change. And the more we resist change, the more pain we will have in our life. Now, for those of you who might have listened to the previous episode, I think it was episode 67, I think, Uh, where I discussed the differences between pain and suffering, where suffering is more of a mental state and pain is something that that is inevitable in life. Well, whilst it's true that pain is inevitable in life, I also believe that there are certain pains in life that we can avoid. And, And by avoiding, I don't mean by suppressing or ignoring or denying. I mean unnecessary pain. And some of the unnecessary pain that happens on a psychological level is where we don't embrace change. And something that's become really, really clear to me, certainly, and at the time of this recording, I'm 51, we're going through a change of uh, lifestyle here with my family where we're looking to move up north. Well, we are, we're in the queue waiting. Uh, The point I'm making is we're embracing this new uh, change. We've been living in a city in Melbourne here, Melbourne, Australia. We only live five or six kilometres away from the central business district, the actual main city. Uh, so we've been living in a city for all of our lives and we're moving into, you know, acreage, a sea tree change, climate change. It's a lifestyle change on many different levels. It's a value shift, a, a physical shift in terms of acreage versus a, a regular city block, um, sea tree change. So we've got the ocean near us and we've got the forest, the actual national forest of the Noosa hinterland. Uh, so and it's and then there's the climate change and the uh, cultural change and a whole bunch of other changes. So and I love it. And we've consciously chosen to embrace that for all of our own reasons. 
the point I want to make is that a lot of people have issues with change where we remain stuck in things or stuck to memories. We remain stuck's not the right word, but I'll use that word for now, um, where we remain um, attached. That's the word I was looking for. We remain attached to past changes, to things that are no longer with us anymore. You know, it's fascinating because in this journey of preparation, preparing to make this move, there's been lots to prepare, you know, on a financial level, on a physical level, a spiritual level, an emotional level, uh, on a logistical level, on a legal level, you know, on all the levels. There's been um, preparation for this for this shift, um, this shift of everything, <laughs> shift of consciousness, shift of, you know, geography. Um, and what I've learned is that I've learned to let go of so many things that I was so attached to from a sentimental basis. Um, you know, there are so many things that we've uh, been discovering in our home that as we've been going through packing up. And uh, if my wife was listening to this, she'd be saying, who's we packing the house? Because she has been packing the house. Um, let me be very clear on that in case she actually hears this episode. <laughs> um, whilst I've been delivering my Zoom trainings. That's my that's my justification. I've been working and she's been packing. There you go. <laughs> Did I get away with that? So, but what's been happening is I've been coming across lots of things from our past life. So, for example, I came across uh, in one of the robes here, in one of the cupboards here, um, my old vinyl record collection of all of my Michael Jackson albums, 12-inch singles, original seven-inch singles of uh, the Jackson 5, picture discs, limited releases, uh, tour guides, as in, um, you know, um, those tour pamphlets that you get from a concert, you know, like like it would easily be, you know, well in excess of 60 or 70 items. It might even be up to 100 items. And Silvana said, what do you want to do with this? And um, my initial thought was, we'll just bring it up. And she goes, what do you want to bring it up for? As in bring it up north, right? And I said, uh, I don't know, just uh, she said it's been sitting in this robe away, you know, sight unseen for uh, 20 years, 20 years. It's been sitting there because they're vinyl. We haven't played vinyl for ages. Anyway, I've, so I just thought, yep, okay, I'll sell them. So I'm in the process of selling them as we speak. And the point I'm making is I was talking to a friend of mine who said, well, don't you want to keep them for sentimental value? And I said, no. I'm, I don't have any sentimental um, attachments anymore. Uh, you know, it's like, let me be very clear on what this means, right? Sentimental attachments are, are, are healthy if they're not holding you back from living your life right now. But if your sentimental attachments are causing you to stare at your past instead of looking at your past, you've then got a problem because your emotional fitness will suffer. Your emotional life, your spiritual life will suffer. So let me just say that again. If your sentiments about your past or the sentimental value that you've placed on a physical item or a memory or whatever it might be are causing you to stare at your past instead of looking at your past, that's a significant difference. There's nothing long, wrong with reflecting on our history, reflecting on a memory, you know, um, talking about our past. But there's a big difference between just looking at it occasionally whilst living your life compared to staring at it. Because get this, the more you stare at your past, the older you are becoming like really quickly. 
you know, like if you think about it, when you talk to a person who is like our neighbor Mary here, she's no longer with us. She passed away a couple of years ago. But when Mary died, she was just a couple of months short of her um, 101st birthday. She died virtually at the age of 101. Quite amazing. And and when we would visit Mary, which was only a couple of times a year with the kids, you know, Easter time, Christmas time kind of thing, you know, she would talk a lot about the past. And, and that's understandable. I mean, when you're 101, there's not much of a future to look forward to in terms of, I know how that sounds, it sounds awful, but you know what I mean? Come on, the reality is you're 101. You know you're going to die any, any month now. You might live another few years, but you certainly don't have 40 or 50 years ahead of you. Like, that's extremely unlikely, right? So <laughs> did I get away with that? Anyway, so the point I'm making is that when you are getting older, um, people tend to live more in their past. And, and when people are staring at their past, they're aging faster. Now, I'm not talking physically. Maybe it is physically, but I'm talking psychologically. Like, you know, right now, my, my dad is... Um, a very old 78-year-old, like 78 is a very young age, but he's psychologically, you know, 98 because literally 98% of the time when we're talking, it's we're talking about something from the past unless I, you know, really steer the conversation strongly with lots of questions to open our conversation around uh, or statements I'm making around what's going on, you know, with our sons or talking about what's going to happen in the future or the school that they're going to or what's happening in Queensland, you know, and what saddens my heart is that, uh, you know, he's losing his memory and every time I go there and I mention Queensland, he says to me, are you moving to Queensland? It's like, oh, my God, we have to go through this again and again and again and again. And the, what tears at my soul is, uh, you know, the whatever internal journey he goes through at the shock surprise of that, you know. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. So, so change is not a disruption to flow. It is the flow. It is the flow. So when we're staring at our past, we're preventing flow happening. We're preventing life happening. Life is passing us by. So many people, as I've said in the past, so many people, no pun intended, so many people live their lives like they've got a spare life in the bank and they'll pull that one out when they need it. It's like life is happening right now and life has no pause button. So there's nothing wrong with looking at the past. Staring at the past becomes a problem. And when we become overly sentimental, so going back to the sentimentality, so those albums that I've got, I've already given them to a record store to value and the fellow's going to let me know what they're worth. Nice little cash bonus there, however that comes out. Um, there, are, there are school uniforms of when I was in primary school and year seven, in my cupboard that my mother gave to me for sentimental value, got rid of them all. What's the point of it? What's the point of putting that in? What is the energetic point of it? I wanted to get rid of that energy. So it's gone. That, that kid no longer exists, right? Um, the, um, the, the dolls, the teddy bears that I had when I was six, seven, eight years of age in a bag inside a box in my cupboard, I got rid of it. So this might sound, I don't know how this comes across to you guys, but this is just, I guess, being my podcast, I can say what I like, I guess, to a certain degree anyway. <laughs> and that is, I've just, I've just thrown out all of this stuff that has no place being in my life anymore. I've, I've really got the, the, those teddy bears and things and um, uh, the, the remnants of the school uniform, there, there's memories of that already that live in my mind that are more alive than those physical items. So the point I'm making is, and I've got to start, stop saying the point I'm making is, because that can be quite annoying, is that 
those those teddy bears and all that sort of stuff that I got rid of that we just we we gave away and some of it we threw out or whatever. Um, well, a school uniform we threw out. I mean, who's going to take on a primary school uniform of that's really that's kind of weird, man. Like to give away that, so we threw it out. And and let me tell you, I was indifferent. I wasn't excited or elated or depressed or sad. It was like, no, nah, it's just let go of it. Just let go of it. So sentimentality is an interesting thing because I reckon if you're overly sentimental like too much and you are staring more than looking at your history, then you're preventing the embracing of change. And another way of looking at change, as I, as I shared with you in the opening minutes of this particular episode, right, is that change is not a change of direction. It is the direction of which all of life moves. Look at nature. It's the, the water trickling down a creek. It's not resisting the, the change of direction. It just flows with the change of direction. That's what life is. And the other way, what, the other thing that sort of it shifted for me immensely in the last, uh, you know, few, few months, because, you know, here we are now, you know, in Melbourne, Australia, you know, the world's, you know, given us attention because we've become the, the longest, you know, shutdown city in the bloody world. And that's a whole nother conversation there, let me tell you. Um, you can probably tell by the tone of my voice how I feel about that. So, um, and it's like, you know, this has given me uh, um, clarity of like, okay, well, so many aspects of life have, have been, uh, the pause button's been pressed. And it's like, oh my God, like, let's unpause all of this so we can can live and move on and just experience the joy of directional change the joy of um, change and, and, the, and the flow that it brings. Let me just say those two little sort of quotes again or, or statements again. Change is not a disruption to flow. It is the flow. This is true in economic markets, in all businesses, in relationships, in physical health, in spiritual development, in geographical shifts. Whatever it is, all of life is encaptured, enamored with, it's a core ingredient of life is change. And I believe that when we become overly sentimental and remain attached to aspects of our history that have no longer have any business being in our present, then, you know, we're staring at our past. And when we're staring at our past, we're uh, resisting change. And when we're resisting change, we are resisting flow. And life is flow. When we're resisting change, we're resisting a change of direction. And direction is the movement of all of life. Direction is the flow. And I reckon that's really exciting. The other um, perspective on this that I wanted to share with you is that as I grow older, um, I am putting more and more conscious energy and focus and awareness to the best of my ability in connecting with uh, my existential identity. All of us have got an existential identity. That's a fancy way of saying our soul, our spirit, our consciousness, the energy that keeps our body alive, the universal force that enables our heart to keep beating and our lungs to keep breathing. I mean, how is that happening? It's all happening automatically. What is the energy, the force, the power, the, the nature? The What is it that's keeping all that going? Well, whatever you want to call it, that's all the. That's what I associate as the ex existential identity part of us, 
because we've got our psychological identities, you know, the psychological identity of, you know, our body, our results, our uh, legacy, our relationships, you know, our personality is fundamentally our psychological identity. And when we start associating or identifying with or becoming more aware of the existential identity within ourselves, the more fun and giggle you bring into your life because you begin to realize how anything that is so seriously taken as heavy and, and you know, dark and serious is, is the realm of the ego, is the realm of the ego. So, so the soul is continually pulling us in the direction that we need to head in the journey of experience. And as I shared in, in my emotional fitness hub, I do a, a video there once every week. And in the last video, uh, at the time of this recording, it's currently October 9 or 10, and this episode will be released in a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, but around early October, anyway, I recorded this video on the hub where a dear friend of mine's daughter, who's only 13, said to him, um, you know, so we grow up, we educate ourselves, we get a job, we might have a family, might get married, and then we grow old and then we die. So what's the point, Dad? Great question. Great question. And one of the ways I answer that question in that video is to say that, well, it depends on how you define the purpose of life. Because if you define the purpose of life as just that, then that's very depressing. But the purpose of life is to experience things. That's it. The soul is coming to experience the realm of the ego. And the realm of the ego is so real. Like it doesn't take much to get sucked into the drama of life. I mean, there are so many highly, hotly contested, contentious issues that we can bring up right now in this very moment about COVID, about, you know, uh, the injections, about um, the government, about police state, about restrictions, about... Sh I mean, the menu goes on. I could bring up any of these and there'd be listeners of my podcast that would agree with me and listeners that would vehemently disagree with me. That's why I don't waste my time going to the details of politics and all that sort of stuff, right? Because to be frank, I don't know it thoroughly enough to hold an intelligent debate. I'm still learning about how the government actually works because I don't know about you, but this whole scenario has woken me up to, hold on, what's going on here? Like, how does the government make, this, make these decisions? Who is the CHO? What is the CHO? And all that kind of stuff. So I'm learning all of that intricately so I can speak intelligently in that area when I decide to bring those kinds of things up. Anyway, um, I'll stick with my strengths. <laughs> which is all of the emotional stuff. So um, I said to my friend, I said, um, you know, a great way to answer your daughter's question is to share with her that the purpose of life is to have experiences. You know, for example, because her questions presuppose that there's a direction that we need to head, that there's a place that we need to go. And that's not what life is. If you think about it, the reason why we learn how to dance is not so we can get somewhere, it's just so we can enjoy the experience of it. You know, I know I love running, not because it's getting me somewhere, not because I can do personal bests and do more races and all that kind of stuff and chase down the next runner. I had lost interest in that aspect of running years ago. I do it because of the experience. I figure that my soul cannot, cannot experience the physicality, the kinesthetic experience movement of running anywhere else. I love eating pizza. Why? It's no good for me. Why do I? Because once a week, I love immersing in the in the uh, journey of eating a pizza because of the experience. So everything is an experience. It's that's what we've come here for. 
And as part of this journey, this adventure of experience, there's change. Everything's moving all the time. That's the nature of nature. So, you know, an emotionally fit person embraces uncertainty. An emotionally fit person has got a very healthy relationship with uncertainty. And the way that he or she has that or develops that healthy relationship with uncertainty is to become change's best friend, to become the ultimate embracer of change. So me holding on to that, to that, to those vinyl albums and to those teddy bears and to my primary school uniform, for God's sake, the jacket that I was confirmed in in grade three. I mean, what's the point holding on to that? They're all gone. Let me tell you, I feel actually, come to think of it, as I'm recording this, I'm in the study where all those things were in the cupboards. The cupboards are just here next to me where I'm recording this in my study where all those things were. And it's like, they're all gone. And I actually feel great. Because <laughs> let me tell you, I mean, all of us in varying levels have had a traumatic childhood. I don't know about you, but man, I, I mean, I, I was I, I wasn't abused or anything like, like, you know, I mean, there's been many people who listen to this, people that I know, clients that I have uh, and have had who have gone through incredible traumas physically, psychologically, you know, sexually. It's just beyond belief. I mean, I've been blessed not to have any exposure to any of those kinds of abuses, but we've all had different varying traumas as children. You know, the trauma of loneliness, the trauma of trying to fit in, the trauma of whether we're enough and who are we and what are we and, you know, you know, what do we do now? Year 12's finished. What do I do next? And all these uncertainties and there's no one there to guide you. And people, you know, like I had this person come into the house um, the other month or the other week, whenever it was, I can't remember who it was. I was someone that was helping us, uh, the removal. I can't remember who it was. Someone, it might have been the removals company. You know, my sons are 13 and this person asked such a dumb question to my sons, you know, you know, what do you want to do? You know, what, as you grow older, what do you want to do? What what do you want to become? Or what sort of course do you think you're going to do? Or what, are you going to go to uni? What are you going to do? So they're asking a 13-year-old that. I, I, I mean, I, I'm very quiet with these things. I keep to myself with these things. But let me tell you, that's why I've got these platforms so I can express myself. Um, I just wanted to say, what sort of question is that? I mean, most 40-year-olds don't know what they want to become yet. And I'm not being facetious. I mean, it took me until the mid to late 30s to work out what I wanted to do with my life, which is to do all this work, you know. So, um, so anyway, I'm going on a bit of a ramble here, but <sighs> calm the farm, Joe. So... The point I want to make is here, right? Oh, he said it again. The point he wants to make. Stop saying that. <laughs> is I shared with my dear friend that uh, the best way to manage and answer that that really important question that his 13-year-old daughter asked, and it is an important question, is we're not here to get somewhere. We're here to experience the dance of life. We're here to cultivate a joy in the fact that we exist. We're here to become professional embracers of change. Everything is changing all the time. Change is absolutely automated. You cannot stop it. Progress is not, but change is. And change is not a disruption to flow. It is the flow of life. Change is not a change of direction. It is the direction of which all life flows and moves. And the other aspect to this, just to round up today's um, podcast episode, is that, you know, if I can share this with you, if I can maybe just, you know, nudge you in this direction, is get curious. 
get curious about your existential identity, about the awareness that's giving you the experience of awareness, the perceiver that's giving you the experience of perception, the experiencer of the experience. What is it that's looking through our eyes? As Wayne Dyer said all those beautiful years ago, beautiful Wayne Dyer, when he said, you know, and I'm ad-libbing here, he said, the intelligence that beats our hearts is the same intelligence, the same universal intelligence that opens a rose. So get curious about that universal intelligence because that is the truest of truth of who we are. And the more you associate your awareness into that aspect of who we are, the easier it is to embrace change because you can see that this world of ego and all the roles that it plays, you know, is simply something to be experienced and to be enjoyed. And it is easy to get engulfed in the drama of it. As I mentioned just before, I I rattled off about six or seven different topics that are highly contentious in the current times that you can easily become ensconced in an an opinion and and want to defend it and carry on and all this sort of stuff. Like it's easy to get sucked into all the drama of everything. So um, today's episode, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope there was something in this for you today that you've you've, uh, taken out from today and I just love that 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 perspective on change, and I hope you love it as much as I do, because because that's what it is. And 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 I think someone who's emotionally fit, someone who is an emotional adult, just embraces change. Like like I said, like a soul friend, like it's and it's the part of the soul. And anyone who resists change is because they're still heavily addicted to an aspect of their past that no longer exists. Let it go. So. Um, That's it. I'm wrapping up. Gee, that was a long one. 25 minutes. Dear me. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode and looking forward to um, reconnecting with you in the next one. Remember, if you haven't, uh, if you love all this sort of stuff and resonates with you, feel welcome to come and join me on Facebook in the Emotional Fitness Hub. It's a closed group, which I monitor and deliver little mini sessions there every Wednesday. Uh, Feel welcome to join. And remember, of course, the final free intro to EDIS training, October 21, 22. It's coming up pretty quickly, actually. Um, uh, if you're interested in or curious about behavioral and energetic profiling. Uh, and also, guys, if you want to, if you if you genuinely rate this podcast a five-star, please feel welcome to go over to Apple Podcasts um, and, and give it a rating. Uh, I only want genuine five-star reviews. I, I don't want people doing it because I'm asking. Um, I want, I'm asking, but I'm asking for genuine reviews. So I think it was about 95, 96 five-star reviews now, which is just beautiful. Thank you for tuning in. I'm wrapping up. Bye for now. See you in the next one. See ya. I'm Joe Pane, and you've been listening to Insights, the podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can now follow my insights on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for joining me and I'm looking forward to being with you again very soon in the next episode of Insights, the podcast.